This morning we are continuing the sermon series we started just after Labor Day, looking at different parables that Jesus taught. We've looked at several familiar ones, the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost sheep. Last week we looked at uh, the parable of the two builders, then you know the story about the man who builds a house upon the rock and one upon the sand. But today we come to um, perhaps the most well-known parable of them all, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a, it's a powerful story with all sorts of classic elements that stories have. There's some crime, there's some violence, um, there's racial discrimination, there's, there's hatred and neglect, there's apathy, shocking apathy, there's an unexpected hero, and there's incredible love and unforeseen mercy displayed. If you talk to anybody, just about anybody, and you talk about a good Samaritan, they're going to know what you're talking about. They may not know the reference, but they're going to know what a good Samaritan is, what it, what it means. And because it's so familiar to us, I think sometimes really familiar stories can be really, we can kind of gloss over them and think, well, I've got it figured out. I've got it covered. I, I know this story well. But isn't it true that sometimes the things we know the best are the hardest things to apply? Sometimes the most difficult thing to do is the thing that's right in front of us that we know that we're called to do. And so we're going to be looking at this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's helpful always uh, to know what comes before it, the context. And so right before this, uh, this reading in Luke chapter 10, right before in the first chapter, verses of chapter 10, we see another story. And at first you think, why are these side by side? What's the connection? In the first part of the chapter, there's this story where Jesus sends out 72 disciples. He's been teaching. He's been discipling. And he says, it's your turn. And he sends them out to into the countryside, and they do some miracles, they do some teaching. They're basically to go out and to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ and how much God loves them. And then right on the heels of this, Luke then chooses to record this parable, this parable of the Good Samaritan. What's the connection? Well, it's because service and care and compassion and mercy, love expressed through good works, must always follow a call to evangelize, a call to, to, to do mission. We can't just announce the good news. In other words, we must live it out effectively and faithfully. So as we look at this story, the question that we are asking is, how are we to be good neighbors? Hold more backyard barbecues, you know, be appropriately friendly, but not too nosy. Rake your leaves in the fall so they don't blow into your neighbor's yard. Pick up the paper when they're gone. How are we to be good neighbors in the way that Jesus challenges us? So let's, let's take a look. Let's take a look now at, at chapter 10, verse 25. It begins with this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So he's an expert in the law. That means that he knows the Old Testament law, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. He knows it well. That's his areas of expertise. And so he stands up and says to test Jesus. So from the start, we can see that this guy's motives are all wrong. I mean, he comes to Jesus not because he's trying to gain truth or insight. He comes to Jesus because he wants to trip him up. He wants to show his, his knowledge. He wants to trap Jesus, embarrass Jesus in front of the other listeners. And so it says he stands up to test Jesus and he says, teacher, What's, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is a great question. He's asking the right question. But he's got the wrong motive. 
And so Jesus, as he often did and still does today, he answers a question with another question. Don't you hate when people do that? He puts the onus on on the person asking the question to give an answer because he knows this guy already knows the answer to his own question. He's an expert in the law, right? So Jesus says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Back to you. And this, this expert in the law, sort of a religious lawyer, I guess you could say, answers correctly. And he quotes the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Bingo, he nails it. And Jesus congratulates him and says, do this and you will live. Now, the lawyer feels a little, this lawyer feels a little bit silly. You know, sort of like when you ask, when we do it, we ask a question that we already know the answer to. And so he's used to winning debates as well. And so he he tries an age old um, trick. He says, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Define that for me. You know, what are my obligations? Is it somebody who lives next door to me? Somebody in my same school, at work, family members, friends, somebody on their side of the world? I mean, who exactly is my neighbor? What, what are the limit? What are my obligations? What are my responsibilities? He's trying to justify himself. And so Jesus tells this story to, to really narrow down the focus. And Jesus is making the point that the question he should be asking is not only who is my neighbor, but more specifically, how do I be a good neighbor? How do I show God's love to others? And so he tells us a story that reveals several different attitudes that people have regarding those who are in need. You know, yesterday I, I, I did the funeral for a man named Mark Chafee. Many of you know him. And I think about attitude when I think of, of, of Mark. Uh, he was, when I first met him, he was, it was 18 years ago. He was strong, athletic. He was involved in the community. He was a businessman. And um, MS slowly ra- robbed him of his mobility and his strength until his physical limitations really confined him to uh, a wheelchair. And yet through the whole thing, his attitude was, was incredible. And... Um, you know, there's several reasons for that. He was a man of deep faith. He took his complaints to God. He had the support and love of family and friends. But attitude was so important for him. And on his wall in his room, uh, there was a quote by Chuck Swindoll. Um, it's a long quote. I won't get into it all. Uh, but it's about attitude. And essentially, the, the gist of it is, is saying that our attitude is so very, very important. And that we can choose our attitude each and every day. We can choose to have a good attitude. Choose to have a good perspective about what's going on in our lives. Saying that attitudes are so very important, but they're, they're also very important in how we view other people and how we treat other people. So let's take a look at, at five different attitudes that we find in this story towards this guy who's been beaten and left by the side of the road. The first, we've talked about, the, the expert in the law. For him, who is my neighbor is just sort of a, a nice topic to debate and to discuss. You know, a while back on public radio, I heard a, a program. They were talking about the problem of, uh, of increasing world population. And speaker after speaker came on and they spoke eloquently and passionately about the great needs that we're going to be facing as a, country, as a world 
uh, uh, because of the growing numbers of people. And it was overwhelming. And, and you began to get the sense that the problem was just too big and too vast, that the scope of the issue was too big, and that there was little we could do to stop the inevitable. Sort of like the old uh, Bruce Hornsby song, that's just the way it is. You know, that's the way the world is. Nothing you can do about it. That's just, just accept it. That's the way the world is. But towards the end of the program, a mediator closed by addressing this. And when he said, we must remember to not let the sheer vastness of the situation justify leaving it at the discussion level. We must deal with specifics. We must put human faces at the fore. And so our our guy here in Luke, who's asked this question, he's dealing with generalities. With his second question, who is my neighbor? He's trying to justify himself, trying to shield himself and limit his obligations to those around him. If it doesn't become too personal or too specific, he doesn't have to deal with it. He doesn't have to deal with the homeless or the widowed or the orphaned or the, the poor or the immigrant or the drunk or the jerk. His attitude is, I'm not responsible. I don't, he, he prefers leaving things vague where he doesn't have to know names or know real needs or see real hurts. But Jesus doesn't allow him that luxury. And so he tells him a story to make it very clear that he, in fact, does have responsibility. A second attitude in our passage is that taken by the robbers. We see this in verse 30. They strip the traveler of his clothes. They beat him. They take his money. They leave him half dead on the side of the road. The attitude these men have, the robbers, is that this guy is simply there to be exploited, to be used. You know, when uh, Nancy and I were in Chicago in grad school, we would often take the L downtown just to kind of get off campus, take a break, see something different. And more often than not, we would see homeless people downtown. And the sad part was often you could tell that they, were, that they were probably minors. You know, that maybe we didn't know their stories. Maybe they ran away from home because of a bad situation. They got involved with the wrong crowd. They were abandoned. Who knows what? But no doubt many of them were being exploited in, by twisted people for drug trafficking or, or prostitution. They were viewed as objects to be used, not individuals to be loved and cared for. Now, before we jump to any generalities about the big city, we might want to take a look around our own area, our own city. The needs are here. Tragic situations exist. Things that ought to break our hearts that should lead us to to response, to love, and to compassion. The third attitude in our passage is taken by the guys who you... Jesus' hearers would have thought these would be the natural heroes. Let's see what they have to do. It's the religious guys, the Levite and the priest. But their attitude in the story is that it's an inconvenience. They're too busy. They just don't have enough time. I mean, they're, they're about doing busy, good things. I mean, they're maybe on their way to synagogue or on their way to a, a meeting or a club. They're community leaders. They're well thought of. The problem was they were selective in who they would help and selective on when they would help. They can't be bothered. It's sad, yes. It's tragic. That poor guy laying there, but you can't help everybody, right? And so they decide he's not worthy of their help. It's simply too risky, and they move on. 
The fourth attitude is that of the innkeeper. The innkeeper saw this wounded man as, as a customer. Somebody was here for his benefit. The relationship was more of a transaction. He doesn't mind getting involved as long as he can profit from it. The fifth attitude is taken by the Samaritan. And in Jesus' story, the Samaritan is a hero, which would have been a shock to Jesus' Jewish listeners. You see, the Samaritans were outcasts. They were, they were the product of, of, of illicit liaisons between the Canaanites and the pagans and Jewish people. They were half-breeds. The Jews saw themselves as the true descendants. Samaritans, they weren't worth their time or attention. And so to this expert in the law, the Samaritan would have been an inferior person. And you can see that because when the story's done, and it's very clear who the true neighbor is, the true hero is, when Jesus asks him who's the true neighbor, the guy can't even say the word Samaritan. He says instead, the one who showed mercy. Mercy. The attitude of the Samaritan was that he saw this man as a fellow human being who was worthy of his love, worthy of his care, worthy of his his sacrifice, worthy of taking a risk for. I mean, this guy shows love to someone who would have likely, in a different circumstance, avoided him if they met each other on the road. He's not rewarded. He's not publicly honored for his good deeds. He spends his own money. He took a risk. And he didn't turn away and he didn't pass by. All around us every day, there are people with lots of needs, serious needs, things that we can do to help them. Things like lifting them up in prayer, sharing a meal with someone who's going through a tough time, coming alongside them, maybe paying for a utility bill, going the extra mile for them. And most especially, we are to serve the people who are not like us, the people that we don't typically associate with. That's the attitude of Jesus Christ, isn't it? To love completely and totally, to serve indiscriminately and selflessly. Time and again, through Jesus' life and his words and his actions, through the cross, he showed that his attitude was that all people are individuals created in God's image, worthy of care, worthy of love, worthy of sacrifice. All. And as God's people, we are to use our resources, our time, our treasure, our talents to serve and to love others. Not seeing people as inconveniences or avenues to get what we want or risk to be avoided. Who is my neighbor? Jesus' answer was, Everyone, what will be your attitude? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your love for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you look down upon our need and our sin and our struggles. And you took initiative. You reached out to us through Jesus Christ. We thank you for his his, his perfect example, his, his selfless life, the ultimate sacrifice he made for us. Lord, give us Jesus' eyes to see people as, as he does, as you do. Help us, Lord, each and every day to choose our attitude 
to choose to see others as people worthy of our time, worthy of our care, worthy of the risk, worthy of our sacrifice. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.